Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. This Shabbat is a special Shabbat. I know when we were in the back praying, somebody mentioned it, that it's Shabbat Shuvah. It's a special Sabbath. This, this Shabbat, this Sabbath that comes between Yom Torah, Rosh Hashanah, and also Yom Kippur, this one Sabbath has a special name to it, and that's Shabbat Shuvah. There are other Sabbaths during the year in between holidays or before holidays that have special names, but this one has a name that has rich meaning. And again, let's say that together, Shabbat Shuvah. Let's say that together, Shabbat Shuvah. That means the Sabbath, literally of turning or repentance, those two words are linked. Now, this Hebrew word, when I say Shabbat, that means Sabbath, and then the second word, Shuvah, it's found often in the Bible that Hebrew word in the Hebrew text. And one place where it's found is in one of the Haftorah readings uh, for today, which is the book of Hosea, chapter 14, verse 1. And if you're looking at a Hebrew text, it'd be Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. And that verse says, Shuva Yisrael Adonai Elhecha, Hichashalta Be'avonecha, which means... Shuvah Israel, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. And then it says this, and this, this statement, it's a strong statement, again, coming from the prophet to Israel centuries ago. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity, because of your sin, your avon. You have stumbled that verse continues, though, in Hosea chapter 14, verse 2 in the English. It'd be verse 3 in the Hebrew text. And then the, the prophet continues and says, Take words with you, and shuvu el Adonai, meaning return to the Lord, or turn to the Lord. And it continues in Hosea chapter 14, 2 in the English text. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. It's a curious statement because the, the literal is the bulls of our lips. And that idea of the bulls or the sacrifices of our lips is actually explained in the book of Messianic Jews, chapter 13, verse 15, where we're told there, therefore, because of him, because of Yeshua, notice this, please, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let us continually offer those things to God. The sacrifice of praise and the fruit of our lips, which is the giving of thanks to him. And I think you would agree with me that if we did that more often, 
and didn't say some of the other things we sometimes say, we'd be much better off if we spend more time praising and thanking God and being aware when we thank God, we become, we're aware of what he's actually provided for us, what he's done for us, and we offer him thanksgiving in return. And I do think, and I think you would agree with me, that all true followers of Yeshua the Messiah, we all have ample reason to praise and thank God. When we turn away from our own ways to follow the Lord's way, we learn how good and how merciful he is. How many of you can honestly say, and, and please honestly, if this, is, this applies to you, how many of you can honestly say that as you've begun to walk with the Lord, you've noticed more and more how good he is to you? I'm one of those guys. You also realize quite quickly that it's not because of your own merit or because you deserve it, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We learn as we follow him, we learn how good, and I would add this word, this idea, there's many other words we can add here, but how merciful he is to us. How many agree the Lord has been merciful to you? He is merciful, and I'm so glad we sang some of the songs that we did today. Thank you, worship team. We should thank him and praise him for his forgiveness extended to us. Imagine if every time you sinned, there was no way to have it wiped out. And it just kept piling on you, piling on. You know, that sounds a little bit odd here in a congregation like this because we're very Yeshua-centered in our congregation. But imagine those in the world, and maybe that's where some of us came from, who don't realize that there's a way to get their soul right with God. And that's through faith, repentance and faith in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. We can praise him and thank him for his forgiveness. We can thank him for his mercy, as I mentioned. And how many of you thank him for his great love extended to you? He's extended his love to us. How do we know that? Because when we look at the tree, the execution stake, the cross, we see that Yeshua died for us. He willingly sacrificed himself for us. And hereby perceive we the love of God that Yeshua laid down his life for us. And you know what? I want to say this other words. I know uh, Dr. Michael Brown has a book out that that's, uh, uses this word. But how many of you are thankful for the grace of the Lord today? I mean, Dr. Brown's book is about hyper grace. But we are, we are uh, uh, a people that should, should feel particularly thankful to God. And praise him for such things as forgiveness and mercy and love and grace. And these are themes that recur during this 10 days of all into, into Sukkot on the 15th day of the seventh Hebrew calendar month of Tishri. The Hebrew word shuvah is linked to the same Hebrew word, has the same root as teshuvah. How many have heard that word, teshuvah? It's, it's pretty common, different ways to pronounce it. But teshuvah, in biblical terms, refers to repentance or turning away, turning away from what is wrong or evil in God's sight. And I'm emphasizing that what's wrong or evil in God's sight because sometimes there's a disconnect between what's acceptable within a society and what's acceptable before God. There's a disconnect there. Society may applaud and say, oh, that's really great, but God doesn't do the applauding. He doesn't do that. 
He doesn't change his standards. And when we really are bale teshuvah, when we truly are repentant people, we're turning away from those things that are wrong or evil in the sight of God. But that's not all. We turn away from those things, but if you're turning away from something, you're also turning to something. And we're turning to that which is right and pleasing to him. Now, we don't turn away from what is evil in God's sight in order to start doing something else that's also evil in God's sight. (laughs) We turn away from evil. Scripture teaches this abundantly so that we can do what's right in the sight of the Lord. We turn to what is right in the sight of the Lord. And you may think, wow, that's so weird. Why would you say that? That we turn away from evil and then turn to do something else that's evil. Well, if you read the biblical history of Israel and the nations, you realize that recurs. Listen to what Jeremiah said. This, this very thing, ancient Israel did exactly that. They turned from evil sometimes, but then turned and did other evils. And we don't want to do that. We want to turn from evil, but make sure that we turn to do what's right in God's sight. That's true teshuvah. That's true teshuvah, true repentance. In Yermiahu, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 1, Jeremiah says this, if you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. And you shall swear the Lord lives in emet, in truth, in mishpat, in judgment, in stakah, in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. There's much that this passage says, and unpacking a little bit of it, we realize that it advocates that individual and national repentance can have a wide-ranging impact, not only on our present lives, but also on those around us and also on that which is to come. Just think about how a repentant life, someone who repents, a Baal Teshuvah, someone who really repents, just think of how their life changes. Maybe that's your testimony here today when you came to know the Lord or perhaps you've never really committed your life to the Lord. This is your time of Teshuvah. This is your time of realizing, hey, I can't keep going the way I'm going. It's not right. It's not good for me. I have to turn from evil. But not turn from evil so I can turn to do more evil, but turn, uh, turn from one evil to another evil. No, turn from evil to do what's right in God's sight. There's true teshuvah. If you will return to Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. You'll become established and firm. And you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And notice the impact here. The nations shall bless bless themselves in him. And in him they shall glory. We must turn from evil to good. Sometimes that involves a complete change of thinking. Complete change, as Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 advocates. We must turn from darkness to his light and from doing wrong to doing right. We must do that. 
And there's a powerful statement that's found in the Brit Chadashah and the New Covenant that was deftly expressed by Rav Shaul, by Paul the Apostle, and it's in Colossians chapter 1. We are planning to study the book of Colossians on Tuesday, beginning in a couple weeks, God willing. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 13, says this. God has delivered us from the power of darkness. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now in this passage, the shaliach or the apostle, Rav Shaul Paul the apostle, he pointed out that our heavenly father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and then this term, and I like how it's uh, expressed in the New King James Version. And he's, uh, he's conveyed. He's conveyed. Well, in this case, the word conveyed, the idea is that of a conveyor belt. Conveyor belt. I know years ago, I was not a believer, and I, I had a job in, in, at a, a big uh, supermarket, and I was uh, unloading trucks, 18-wheelers. <laughs> That's hard work, by the way. Anyone else ever done that? <laughs> it looks fine. We see these trucks going by, and thank you, truck drivers, hearing these words. But we see these trucks going by, and remember the first time I had to unload one of those trucks with other people, of course. And those doors opened in the back, and I looked inside, and I thought, oi vey, look how much stuff's in there. It's not going to come out by itself. Right, Rocky? It's not going to come out by itself. <laughs> And so I started unloading and started, and you know, I became very thankful because the, the company that I worked for at that time, very thankful that I didn't have to take all the stuff off one by one with my coworkers and walk them all the way in and put them on the shelf. I was thankful that there was a conveyor belt. So I took the box off and I put it on the conveyor belt. And you know what the conveyor belt did? It took it to another place. And I wasn't responsible for that place. I guess I would learn the word hallelujah, praise God at that point. <laughs> but that's this idea that the Lord, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's conveyed us, think in terms of conveyor belt, taking you to a totally new place. He's conveyed us, he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, Yeshua the Messiah. I like that, don't you? <laughs> now, this verb translated conveyed in Colossians chapter 113 literally means in the original Greek sense of it, it means, quote, to move something from one place to another. That's conveyed. Friends here today, when God rescues repentant people from the kingdom of darkness, through faith in the saving work of Yeshua the Messiah, his shed blood that was accomplished on the tree, on the cross, on the execution stake. Spiritually speaking, it's as if he helps them pack their suitcases and move into a whole new eternity, a whole new eternal reality. When he saves us from the kingdom of darkness through faith in Yeshua, we are conveyed to a new place in life. And that's into the unshakable kingdom of his holy son, Yeshua, the Messiah, his unique, only begotten one.
in modern society, <laughs> moving from one place to another usually involves packing our bags and our misvadot, our suitcases, and, and, and going to reside in another place. How many of you have done that? How many of you have moved? Well, we all have probably. I remember growing up, I lived in the same house until I left to go to school. Lived in the same house, same address, same everything. And then later on, when my parents sold that place, I had only known one place as home before, and that was that one house, that one property there. And when they, when they sold the place, no matter where my parents ended up living, it was never exactly like home before. That one place that I always knew was home, that one address, 9 Melrose Avenue, it was always the same thing. Well... The Lord, when he transferred us, it's like we have to pack up our suitcases and he moves us to another place. And, and moving right now is a common thing. The Wall Street Journal did some statistical study about moving. How many of you realize Americans can be very transient people? We move around. In fact, I dare say, those of you listening to what I'm saying now, you, many of you weren't even born in Oklahoma City. Many of us weren't born in Oklahoma City. But the Wall Street Journal started statistically studying the transit nature of American people and came up with this staggering fact in the year 1999 to the year 2000, a staggering 43 million Americans packed up and moved. And guess whose family was part of that statistic? <laughs> Mary and mine, our family, we moved up here during that time frame. So we were a little speck in that 43 million other Americans that moved at that time. Anyone else moved during the 1999-2000 period? Are we the only ones? Uh, several of you did. Well, more recently, in the year 2020 to 2021, Going from 43 million Americans in 1999 to 2000 to 2020-21, only, and I underline only here, only 27 million people moved. <laughs> well, honestly, the reason was what? We had a pandemic going on. We had a pandemic going on, so the numbers, no doubt, were altered by that. So if you've ever packed your bags, by the way, and moved, you are actually in good biblical company. There are some others who've had to pack their bags and move. You can probably think of some of them. But I want to refer you to one that maybe you haven't thought of. And his name is Yehezkiel, Ezekiel, the prophet. He knew all about packing his bags. <laughs> all about them. And you note this in, in Ezekiel chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Notice this interesting text of what God tells this prophet to do. Now the word of the Lord came Ezekiel saying, Ben-Adam, son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. A rebellious house which has eyes to see but does not see and ears to hear but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. How's that for an opening salvo from the Lord? <laughs> I, I suppose Ezekiel could have said, well, I kind of know that, you know, but verse 3 continues, therefore, Ben-Adam, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity and go into captivity by day in their sight. 
You shall go from your place into captivity to another place in their sight. Notice he's to convey his things to another place. It may be that they will consider, though they are her rebellious house. By day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight as though going into captivity, and at evening you shall go in their sight like those who go into captivity. And then it gets even more specific. Verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 12. Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings out through it. In their sight, you shall bear them on your shoulders and carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. For I, and notice this, for I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. And then verse 7 begins. It goes on from there with explanation of what all this means. But verse 7 begins with this highly critical statement. Very important. So I, Ezekiel, I did as I was commanded. Isn't that really a rubber meet the road thing for us? That we do what God says for us to do? That's what differentiates the prophets. They did what God said to do. Were they always perfect? No, but they did what God said to do. You can follow through the Torah and you read about Moshe and Moses and it says God said it and Moses did it. You read about Noah, Noah. God said it, Noah did it. And of course, with Yeshua, the Messiah, blessed be his name, he always obeyed in everything, and even his words and attitudes of heart were blameless. Ezekiel's actions that are pointed out in chapter 12, it's a very interesting chapter, by the way. They were to serve as a prophetic picture, as it says in verse 6, for I have made you a sign, Ezekiel, a sign, to the house of Israel. You're like a sign to them. What you're doing, they're going to see it, and it's a sign to them. It's something they're going to note. They're going to wonder. They're going to ask about. You're a sign. My friends here today, when you repent of your sin and transgressions, and you turn from doing evil, and you turn to doing good, when you make teshuvah, so to say, and you turn towards the Lord and His ways, First of all, you're doing what's right in his sight. You're doing his will. But secondarily, like Ezekiel, please hear me, you too serve as a living, dynamic, prophetic picture to others around you. You become a prophetic picture. When they see the way your life's going, you're speaking of something, your life's showing something different than the ways of this world. You stand out to them. And you know... There are many who are seeking another way in life. There are many, they don't know how to even express it. Perhaps that's you here today. They don't know how to express it, but they're, they're fed up with what's happening around them. But they don't know where to turn. They need us to show them, to express to them, to point, to that, point them to Yeshua the Messiah, who is the way, the truth, and the life. If you genuinely repent from doing your own thing, and our society's rife with this, doing our own thing. You genuinely repent from doing evil and from seeking to please this world in its ways, and you choose to stop living selfishly, as if self is the center of the universe, rather than our King Messiah being the center of the universe. 
If you stop doing those things, evil and pleasing the world and living selfishly, you too will indeed be an example to others. They will notice. And I do believe, and perhaps you would agree with this statement, that there are many in the world around us, maybe even some of your, your friends, some of your family members, some of your coworkers or students alongside of you, there are many who are longing for hope in this desperate world. And they want light, they don't want darkness. They want a way that leads not to death. And friends, you are advantaged because you know him. If you're a believer, you know him who is the way, the truth, and the life. And you can point him out, and your actions must show it. You then become a prophetic sign to them. As they see you change your life and go a different course in your life, they look at you and they, they think, what, what's going on here? That happened to me. How many of you can say that someone impacted you because of the way they lived and helped you come to know the Messiah? I'm one of those people. And I met someone that really had peace in the midst of a very troubled generation in the 60s and 70s. I was, I was totally disarmed by the peace they had. And then when, I, when he told me, it was a pastor actually, when he told me that someone introduced me to, when he told me, why he had peace, and he pointed me to Yeshua, to Jesus, there I, I was like, really? <laughs> and here I stand now, almost 50 years later. How many of you love the Prince of Peace today, the Lord Yeshua? Well, notice the sanctified logic of Kepha, Peter, what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. This is what he, he wrote. His logic, notice his sanctified logic. He says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Isn't that a great question? Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? You start doing what's good, who's going to really harm you? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, he says, his logic, his sanctified logic as I call it, he says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, guess what? You are blessed. If you suffer for doing what's right, you're blessed because you're doing what's right in the sight of God. You're blessed by Hashem above. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you and do so with meekness and reverence, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, even though you're actually doing what's right, they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Messiah may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God. It is better to suffer for doing good then for what? Doing evil. How many agree it's better to suffer for doing good than to suffer the consequences of your own evil deeds? It's better to do what's right. And whatever comes, whatever chips fall, so to say, you, you go that direction in life. And if you truly repent during the, this Shabbat Shuvah, this Shabbat of turning, of repentance, if you truly repent, besides opening the floodgates of God's grace upon your own life, and then through you to the others around you, you'll be open to floodgates of his grace as you repent and turn to him. 
you will serve as a living reminder of God's will for all who see you, especially those who knew you before you knew the Messiah. They may ask you exactly like that sanctified logic of Kef expresses in 1 Peter 3. They want to know, what is, what's, what, what's that hope that's inside of you? Why are you like this? You used to be like this. What happened? And man, what a time that is to express the glory of the risen king, our Messiah, Yeshua. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But his long-suffering, he's patient towards us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So what does the word everyone mean here? What does that word all mean? That means that every person you have contact with, the Lord desires. Doesn't really desire that person to, to suffer the consequences. He de- desires that person to come to repentance and turn away from sin. If you truly repent and turn to the Lord, you show those viewing your life that living in the fear of God is an eternally wise way to live life. And as you repent, you are essentially, you're essentially setting yourself apart for the outworking. As you repent, you're setting yourself apart towards the Lord for the outworking, the unique holy calling that's on you. That holy calling that he's placed on you as you set yourself apart by doing what's right in God's sight. Out of your fear and reverence and love for him, you do what's right. And you turn from evil, and you don't turn to do more evil. You turn from evil to do good. You're setting yourself apart to help fulfill or as a process to fulfill his call upon your life. And note how Rob Shaul stated this concept in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Here he's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. His spiritual son, his young, a younger spiritual son, obviously at several places he talks about Timothy's youth in First and 2 Timothy but a younger person, Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Rob Shul, Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy and says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. It's sealed. Number one, the Lord knows those who are his. Friend, if you belong to the Lord here today, he knows you. He knows you. That's sealed. That's signed in. He knows you. But then notice the second part. It has this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And then the second part says, let, what's the next word, please? Let everyone, there's no exclusion clause here for you or for me. Let everyone who names the name of Messiah Yeshua do what? Depart from sin, depart from iniquity. So the Lord knows those are his, but let everyone who names the name of Messiah Yeshua to depart from iniquity, depart from sin. And then he continues with this wonderful midrash in verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honor, some are displayed, obvious for all to see, and others not so much. Verse 21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, did you catch that? 
If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then he continues in verse 22, and he reminds uh, Timothy, he tells Timothy, flee also youthful lusts, flee those things, but then he tells him what to pursue. It's one thing to tell someone to go one way, but it's, it's good to give directions on what to do afterwards. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, Peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's what you pursue, Timothy. Young man, Timothy, this is what you pursue. And again, I'm emphasizing, although Rav Shaul, Paul the Apostle, stated this to a young Timothy, as the textual proof of 1 Timothy point out, the principles of teshuvah, of repentance, apply to anyone of any age. And I wrangle with that. And then I realize, well, compared to the ancient of days, I'm a youngin. <laughs> you are too, by the way. <laughs> compared to the ancient of days, the eternal one, Bruchu, I'm a young guy. Guess what? You are too. <laughs> so those principles of Teshuvah, repentance, that he speaks to Timothy about sanctifying himself, setting himself apart, stop doing what's right, you know, knowing that God, that you're his and that you're, you're going to depart from all iniquity because you're his. Those principles of teshuvah that are connected to those ideas, those themes, apply to anyone of any age. That's what I, one of the things I love about the 10 days of awe in Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim is that it brings these to the forefront, these ideas. Even this Shabbat, Shabbat Shuvah, the time of turning, the Sabbath of repentance. And if you love God and you take his call to sanctification seriously in your life, if you love him and you're taking this seriously, he's mindful of you and he will use you for his sovereign purposes as you take it serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 is an awesome verse. It says, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Do you love God today? If you do, he knows you. He knows you. It's the idea of an intimate knowledge, by the way, because not only does he know the outward, he knows everything inside of us as well. If anyone loves God, this one is known by him. And as you yield to his purpose by doing his will, that's how we yield to his purpose, by doing his will, you will be fulfilling. As you yield to his will, and you yield to his purpose by doing his will, you'll be fulfilling one of the most significant of all the mitzvot. One of the most significant. You can describe it as doing the Lord's will. That's the, one of the most significant of all the commandments. Doing what he says, obeying him. To obey is better than what? Sacrifice. Obeying him is so critical. And here's what Yeshua said in Matatiao, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Man, let this sink into you. Let us make us sober during these 10 days of awe. Really think this through. He said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It shows us that the kingdom of heaven is not just words. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So it's more than just words. It's got to be words and actions. Many will say to me, notice again, speech. Many will say to me, they, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Lord, Lord. Verse 23, what a harrowing verse this is. And then I will declare to them, guess who does the fi- has the final word? He always has the final word in life, in eternity, in your life and mine. May he always have the last word. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. The implication there is that he says, you never really loved me. Remember, it says, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. I never knew you. You never really loved me. I never knew you. And then he says this, and it's harrowing. He says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, a person who practices lawlessness in this context is someone who refuses to submit to God's ways, his precepts, and his will. There's lawlessness. A person who absolutely refuses to submit to the Lord in his ways, his will, and his precepts. Put another way, a person that chooses not to yield to the will of God, guess what? That person loses out in life. And one can even dare say, loses out in eternity. Wow. I know it's hard for us in this very temporal world we live in. It's hard for us to think about something beyond what we see with our eyes. But when we really discern this, we realize that there's much more that we don't see than what we do see. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, as we conclude here. I want to reread it, what I read earlier. Colossians 1, verse 13, and also verse 14. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. This imagery that's here, this imagery of God's powerful deliverance, and it is powerful, to convey us to one, a new place. And of God conveying his people and delivering his people by the blood of Yeshua, it evokes the Lord's dramatic, I would say dramatic rescue of his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. A dramatic rescue, think about it. God brought the Israelites, as we read in the Torah, he brought the Israelites out of the dark land of Egypt, that place of darkness that was there. And he transferred them. He translated them. Uh, you can use the term. He conveyed them. Eventually, where did they end up? Read the book of Joshua. They end up in Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. They cross the, the Nahar Yarden, the Jordan River, and they end up at Jericho, and then they take over the promised land, more or less. In a parallel manner to that, Repentant Messianic believers, believers in Yeshua the Messiah, we're ushered into the kingdom where Yeshua reigns eternal. I like that idea. (laughs) If I'm going to have a king over me, may it be him. He's the king of kings. He's good. He is righteous altogether. He's kind and merciful and just, but he is the judge. 
And we're ushered as we repent. We're ushered into the eternal kingdom, which Yeshua reigns as eternal. He reigns eternally. But also, he's the vanquisher, the vanquisher of every power of darkness. It's no competition. How do I say it? (laughs) There's no competition here. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And this season we're in now is a time God is being patient and, and having forbearance with society. He wants all to repent. Everyone. He doesn't delight in the perishing of anyone. And maybe that's you today. You've never received Yeshua as your Lord and Savior. This is the time. He wants you to repent, turn, and receive the forgiveness that comes through his shed blood. But notice what Yeshua said in Yohanan in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says to them at a very vulnerable time, if you remember the the narrative, very vulnerable time. He's just about to be betrayed. He's having his last Seder meal or his Passover gathering with his uh, shlichim, with his apostles. And he shares with them, if you read uh, from the middle of John 13 all the way through John 17, you have these incredible statements that Yeshua makes. And towards the end of that segment, in Yohanan 16, verse 13, he says, these things I have spoken to you, please notice the next statement, that in me you may have peace. If you're here today and you don't really have peace, get into him. Yield to him. Follow him because in him you'll have peace. He is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. In the world you will have tribulation. (laughs) But then he says this, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. On this Shabbat Shuvah, this very Shabbat, we have reason to rejoice greatly. And you may ask, why? Why do we have reason to rejoice greatly? Well, there are many reasons, really. Why? Because Yeshua gives his people victory. He gives you victory. He wants to give you increasing victory in your life. Victory according to his terms and what's right in his sight. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 says, but thanks be to God. Can you say that with me? But thanks be to God. Let's say that one more time with a little oomph. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Where does victory come from? The Lord Yeshua. Let's get closer and closer to him during these 10 days of awe. As we prepare our hearts for Yom Kippur, those that will be participating in the fast of intercession as we pray for the Jewish people, as we pray for loved ones. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Let me add one more thought here. God who conveys the repentant out of the domain of darkness, and many of you can say that in your life, when you came to know the Messiah, your life was conveyed to another place. I certainly can say that in mine. He conveys repentance out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his son Yeshua, and he's also able to do as Philippians 1 verse 6 says. (laughs) Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Messiah Yeshua. So friends, don't be discouraged. 
Keep pressing in. Make sure that you're turning from evil and turning to good, not turning from evil and then picking up some other thing. Turn from evil and do good. And most of all, please love the Lord Yeshua with all your heart. Let's pray. Father, we praise you this day because we know how good you are. At least we have an inkling of it. Lord, help us to do what's right in your sight. Help us to obey you, to do your will. Help us, Lord, to as much as is possible, so much as it depends on us, to walk in shalom with others. And Lord, I pray that as you raise up various ones hearing these words, to be, as it were, a prophetic sign, a prophetic people to those around them because of their repentance and their changed way of life. Lord, I pray that you would cause your word to go forward and to bear much fruit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for Shabbat Shuvah. Thank you for the, the deep meaning of this day during these 10 days of awe. And thank you also, Lord, that the good work you have begun in your believers, those who believe in you's life, Thank you for the promise, for the confidence we can have that you who have begun this good work, you shall complete it unto the day of Messiah Yeshua. I ask these things according to his merit. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.